0: Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we today? Can we thank the worship team for this morning? Uh, still wiping the tears out of my eyes. So I'm um, very grateful for that. All the feels this morning, grateful for your uh, service to us today. Um, I'm not crying because the Mariners are out of the playoff race, okay? I'm, I'm not. How are we doing, Mariners fans? Are we doing okay? Are we doing? Listen, listen, listen. I'm not trying to make fun of you right now, Okay. Mourn with those who mourn, weep with those who weep. Okay, I'm a Cubs fan. Yesterday, we got knocked out of the playoff race, w- race as well, okay? We're in this together, all right? We're in this together, all right? Next year, right? Next year? No, you guys are you're not feeling it right okay that's fine um we are in the final week of our series our four week series that we have been calling the road to renewal and in this series we have been looking at this incredible story about this ordinary guy named uh nehemiah and and over the la over um uh, the past few weeks uh, let me bring you up to speed on nehemiah real quick if you missed the earlier weeks um, who was Nehemiah? Nehemiah was an ordinary guy. He was, he was in a role called the cupbearer to the king. He actually served this king Artaxerxes of Persia. He was sort of like a, a servant slash consultant slash advisor uh, to the king. And, and again, if you missed the early weeks, what we ended up seeing was that in the year 587 BC, the evil king Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came through Judah, came through Jerusalem, and just absolutely wiped the place out, destroyed the city, destroyed the people, um, uh, took over the land, took captive thousands of Israelites into Babylon, and then one day a relative of Nehemiah traveled to visit with Nehemiah, and he shared with him about the problem of what was going on in his homeland that it had been over a hundred years later and things were still in shambles. And you'll notice over and over again after Nehemiah receives this news And he had the opportunity to just let that news into his head and be like, you know what? That's a thousand miles away. That's not my problem. I don't have to concern myself with that. My own thing as cupbearer of the king, it's going pretty good right now. But instead, he chose to let that news not just into his head, but he chose to let that news into his heart as well. And then he prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And if you read through the entire book of Nehemiah, we saw this, that that, that he prays 12 times, recorded 12 times, which means he probably prayed way more than that. He continued to seek God. He sought God and then he went to the king. And what we saw last week is that things started to go pretty well. He goes to the king and the king grants him provision. The king grants him protection. And and God raised up some key people to help with the work. And it looked like this ragtag bunch of people that God had drawn from this uh, empire of Assyria and out of captivity over to Israel to rebuild uh, the wall and to rebuild the city. It looked like things were going well. But then some things changed. And what changed? Well... What do we know happens? We saw this last week. We know that as soon as the work goes down, opposition shows up. That as soon as the work goes down, opposition shows up. The moment you start creating movement in your life, moving toward renewal, toward the things that actually matter to God, your spiritual enemy will show up and he will try to resist what you are doing. He will try to oppose that. Now listen, the intention of opposition is destruction. The intention of opposition, it's destruction. It's to stop something. It's to put an end to something. Jesus said that this enemy, he comes to steal and kill and what? Destroy. To destroy. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. But, but what happens if like immediate destruction is not possible? What happens then? What's, what's the game plan then? Well, when that's the case, hear this. If your enemy can't destroy you, he'll distract you. If your enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. He will do whatever he can to take your eyes off of the mission that's in front of you. He'll do whatever he can to distract you from the call that God has placed on your life. That's exactly what we see happen in our story today. I don't know if you remember the enemies from last week, the bad guys. We had Sanblat, we had Tobiah. Now we've got a new bad guy named Geshem, kind of like the Thanos of the crew or something like that. And these enemies, they show up to distract Nehemiah and those working toward renewal from the mission that God had called them to. Let's look at Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles out, that's where we're going to be today, Nehemiah 6. And we'll see here the enemy's plan to divert Nehemiah off of his calling. Scripture says this, When Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab... And the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and no breach remained in it. But look at, look at Nehemiah's integrity here. He adds this like parenthetical statement for some reason. Even though up to that time I had not positioned the doors and the gates, right? He's just like clarifying, like there were some holes in the wall, okay? And then, he's, and then, he's, and then he writes this. Sanballat and Geshem sent word to me saying, come on. Come on, let's set up a time to meet together at Kepharim in the plain of Ono. Come on, let's hang out. Then Nehemiah writes this. Now they intended to do me harm. (laughs) He knew what was up. They're like, Nehemiah, stop building the wall. Come hang out. Let's connect. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about what you guys are doing. Let's meet. Here, listen, tip number one. And you might want to write this down. It's really important. If your enemies, your critics, your haters ever reach out to you and want to set up a meeting in a place called Ono, (laughs) don't go. Do not go. Never go to Ono. Never go to Ono. But look at This is the proposition by Nehemiah's enemies here. And how does he respond to this distraction? Look at verse 3. So I sent messengers to them. I sent them a little text message. I said, I'm engaged in an important work and I am unable to come down. Why should the work come to a halt when I leave it to come down to you? They contacted me four times in this way and I responded the same way each time. So this is important right here. How does Nehemiah respond to these individuals who are trying to distract him? He sends a messenger and he's like, guys, I know you hate me. I know you're not for this work right now. And I'm not about to press pause on this incredible work that's happening right now. I'm not coming down. I'm not moving my hands off of this work. I'm not telling people to stop. God is at work. Renewal is happening. It's incredible. So no, I will not be meeting you at, oh no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And Nehemiah doesn't just do this once. His enemies try to distract him, not once, not twice, not three times, four times so far. If your enemy can't destroy you, he will distract you. He will distract you. Now, can we talk about distractions a little bit? Can we talk about distractions a little bit? In, in, in your hands, in your pockets, in your purses right now, you probably have the single most distracting device ever invented in the history of humankind right now. Your phone. We are not going to talk about your phone, okay? That is so tired. We, we, are, we are too obsessed with this thing. What I want to talk about with respect to distractions are the cumulative effect of the distractions that we face in our modern world right now. The cumulative effect. Our phones, modern media, television, social media, the podcasts you listen to, the news you watch, the the books you read, the places you go, all of these things are designed to orient us toward a specific direction, a specific end goal, and they do this. All of these things in our lives do this by shaping our patterns, our habits, our desires. Mark Sayers, in his book, Reappearing Church, just a quick heads up. I quote him like five times today, and I would highly recommend this book, but by the end of this sermon series, you probably won't have to read this book because I've quoted him so many times, okay? But listen to this quote first of like five this morning. He writes this, the whole of contemporary Western culture, from the structure of our malls and cities to the very fabric of the internet and social media platforms are ideologies that shape us toward a vision not rooted in the eternal but in the unlimited freedom and pleasure of the individual. Western culture then is a kind of giant secular cathedral, a globalizing mega temple oriented around post-Christian worship, which shapes us at a profound and, and unconscious levels, leading us away from renewal and toward personal and corporate decline. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? That's a lot right there. If I could sum that up in just a few words, I would sum it up this way, I'd say, you're never in neutral. You're never in neutral. Whether you're watching Instagram reels or looking at Twitter or X or whatever it's called now, I don't, I don't know, or, or you're watching YouTube or Netflix or Fox News or CNN, you're never in neutral. None of us are. In other words, you're always being shaped by something. You're always being shaped by something, whether it's that Taylor Swift song, or that football game, or again, that tweet, or that podcast, we're being shaped by all of it. We're being shaped by all of it. So the two questions we have to ask ourselves is, what am I being shaped by, and what am I being shaped into? What am I being shaped by And what am I being shaped into? Like, for example, after living up here for a year in the Pacific Northwest, I am being shaped, I am being formed into a Seahawks fan, and I can't resist it. I can't resist it. I grew up, I was born, I was raised in Chicago. I'm a Bears fan, okay? But then I walk into this church, on a Sunday morning in the fall, and I see so many of you wearing your Seahawks jerseys, and you got the cool green and the cool blue, and you have like a recent Super Bowl win, which is so cool, and you've got actual regular season wins, which is really cool, you know? And I just, I'm like, I want that, I want that. I say all of that to say we are shaped by things, and we are are being formed into something specific. The questions are, what's shaping us? and what are we being shaped into? Again, Mark Sayers writes this. To act as agents of renewal, we must examine how we can reorient our life systems toward God's plan to fill the world with his presence. How do we live and worship faithfully while surrounded by an immersive secular mega temple? Listen, we do so by transforming the patterns that influence our lives into worship of God. That's how we do it. We reorient our lives. And this is not something that you hear this morning and you're gonna be able to do tonight. This is a lifelong pursuit. This is a multi-year endeavor where we reorient our lives in pursuit of the glory of God and renewal in our lives and in our church and in our community. And so, listen, distractions aren't merely distractions. Distractions can have far more impactful and sometimes negative impacts on our lives by, by patterning and shaping our lives away from renewal and toward death and decay and corporate and personal decline. And so, what do we do when we encounter distractions? Well, the first thing was right there in the text, super obvious. It's this say no. Say no. Say no to debilitating distractions. It's not rocket science, it's right there. Nehemiah is in the thick of building this wall, and he's distracted not once, not twice, not three times, four times, and he says no. Verse three. So I sent messengers to them saying, I am engaged in an important work. How many times have you said that to like your kids? You know, I am (laughs) engaged in an important work right now. It kind of sounds like a dad. And he says, I'm unable to come down right now, I'm engaged they contacted me four times in this way and I responded the same way each time. He said no. Everyone, let's say that together, okay? Let's say that together. One, two, three. No. Oh, you want to say the whole thing. No, no, just say no. Just, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna teach you real quick how to say no, okay? When someone asks you to do something, when someone invites you to go somewhere, uh, when someone wants more of your time, you just kinda go like this. You, you kinda tilt your head up like this, your chin up like this, and you just go, no. It's like that. No. Listen, you you, you don't have to look grumpy. You don't have to look angry. You can actually look happy when you say it. Just try it real quick. Just turn your head up like that and say no. Are you going to go? No. Are you going to buy it? No. Are you going to watch it? No. No. See, it's easy, right? It's easy to say no. Now listen, why do we say no though? Why do we say no? Do we say no because it's like important to set boundaries and have self-care priorities and all these? Eh, not really. This isn't really about our self and protecting our own time. This is about becoming the kind of person that experiences renewal. That's why we say no. We don't say no because we don't care. We say no because we actually really do care about the things that God cares about. That's why we say no. Listen, if you're always available to everyone, eventually you'll have nothing to give to anyone. We spread ourselves thin. We run around. We, we, we give our lives away indiscriminately to everything and anything, and then all of a sudden, we're not able to focus on what's most important, on what God has called us to. And so we have to be strategic about our nose. Listen, just because you could do something doesn't mean you should do something, right? Um, this is important even for Jesus. Jesus sometimes, actually a lot of the times, Would say no. He'd go out and he'd heal a bunch of people, and then at the end of the day, he'd be like, I'm done. I'm done. Sorry guys, I I know there's a lot more work to be done, but I'm done. And he would say no, not because he was being mean, but because he was being wise. He was being wise. He's like, he was saying no to the crowds, so he could say yes to his father. I need I need more time with my father in heaven. So I'm going to say no to this for now and and seek him out. And this is what Nehemiah did. He did the same thing four different times. They're seeking to distract him. Will you meet with us? Will you meet with us? Please, 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 pretty, please. And Nehemiah's like, no, I'm not going to do that. Then the fifth time, yes, there was a fifth time. The fifth time the scriptures say this. Look at verse five. The fifth time that Sanballat sent his assistant to me in this way, he had an open letter in his hand. Written in it were the following words. Among the nations, it is rumored, and Geshem has substantiated this, that you and the Jews have intentions of revolting, and for this reason, you are building the wall. Furthermore, according to these rumors, you are going to become their king. And so they are doubling down on trying to distract Nehemiah, and they write a letter, and not only do they write a letter, they start throwing some rumors down are like we hear that you're building this wall and you're trying to rebuild this city because you're going to revolt and you're going to become the king because you want power and you want prestige and you want position and you want glory and it's all about you Nehemiah has anyone ever been on the receiving end of negative rumors before let's just comfort one another raise your hands you've been on the receiving end of negative rumors before how does that feel not great right it feels terrible It feels awful. It hasn't happened to me a ton in my life, uh, but it's happened enough to the point where I can say that it really stings. It really stings when someone talks about you and they lie about you and they assume your motives and your intentions. Especially, especially when you've set your face to seek what God wants for you. And when you've gone after that thing and you have people speaking lies about you, assuming negative motives, that can be so discouraging. It can be so deflating. It can knock you off course. It can distract you. But how does Nehemiah respond? Instead of letting the distractions and the rumors and the critique and, and the doubt distract him, God uses it in his life to make him more determined. Look at verse 9. This is in the New Living Translation. Listen to this. Nehemiah writes this. He says, they were just trying to intimidate us, imagining that they could discourage us and stop the work, so I continued the work with greater determination. Nehemiah's like, no one's talking me out of this. I'm doing this work. I'm going after what God has set before me. I don't care what opposition stands in my way. I don't care what I have to say no to. My yes to God is more important. That's what Nehemiah is saying here. And so when we encounter distractions, the first thing we do is we say no to them, but then there's a second thing we do. We say yes to the repatterning work of Renewal. We say no to every and any distraction that comes our way that would knock us off course of what God has called us to. And then we say yes. We say yes to the repatterning work of renewal. Now this this idea, like repatterning work of renewal, might sound like a weird phrase and kind of generic or like what's actually meant by that. And So I want to put some meat on the bones of that phrase. What does that mean and how do we do that? How do we do that individually, and how do we do that as a church? How do we say yes to the repatterning work of renewal? Uh, for the past few weeks, we have been talking about this road to renewal. And this is what we want. This is what we're longing for as a church. And it begins when in the hearts of a few people, uh, there is this holy discontentment. There is this holy discontentment. There are a few in this room that have heard about this call to renewal and it has resonated with you. It has spoken to to something deep in your hearts. And you're not content with going about life as usual because you want to see God work in your life and in our church and in our community. And what you do is you just allow that to, to sit with you and you allow the things that break God's heart to break your heart. We don't just sit there. We, we enter then from this season of holy discontentment into a season of preparation. And I would say this is where we are at as a church right now. We're in the season of preparation. And we saw this in Nehemiah's life, that he began to make space for renewal in his life. And he did this by seeking God persistently. And he prayed and he prayed and he prayed and he went to the king and he's like, this is what God has called me to do. And, and many of you, you're doing the same thing right now. You're going after renewal, in your homes, you're praying with us on Wednesday mornings, you're seeking this out. We're going before God and we're like, God, what would you have for us? What do you want from us? Where are you taking us? Where are you leading us? Where do you want us to go? And We're seeking God out persistently, day after day, week after week, and eventually God is going to call us out of that season of preparation into a season of contending into a season of contending, but what we need to remember is that as we contend, opposition will rise up, and not just opposition from outside of us, but also from within us. We will be distracted as we pursue renewal and as we contend for renewal in our lives by the habits and patterns and ways and practices of our lives that we have allowed to become so embedded after years, after decades, of the distractions that have filled not just our minds, but our hearts and our souls. And this is where it's important that we not just say no to those things that distract us, but it's also important to say yes to new habits, new practices, new patterns, new ways of living that actually draw us and move us toward renewal. And it's this idea of repatterning and seeking new patterns and seeking new ways of thinking and living and being the people of God. That's God's ultimate goal is to create a new kind of humanity a redeemed, renewed people. And that's what we're going after. Again, Mark Sayers writes this. We can affirm God's plan and purposes with our words, with our intentions, with our beliefs. We can can sing worship songs on Sunday mornings with all of our hearts at church, but our life patterns can lead us to a very different end, trending us away from renewal. And perhaps you've experienced this and encountered this. You're like, man, I've been trying to do a better job coming to church and I'm coming to church and I'm kind of starting to get into the music even though I think maybe it's a little too loud or it's not for me or something like that. And, you know, I'm listening to the messages and, and they're kind of connecting with me and I'm taking some stuff away. But then I go throughout my week and then I just feel like nothing's changing. And, and I'm, co- like I, I'm coming to church and I'm making it like 50% of the time. That's pretty good, I think, you know. And I'm getting there and I'm learning. But I, nothing's changing. It's because you, you, you can't just change an hour of your week and expect your life to change? You can't. I-, I wish it was that easy. And this is so important: gathering together with God's people. But if we're really going to see renewal in our lives and in our church, it requires a whole repatterning of how we live and think. And so, what does that look like? What does it mean to re- to pursue the repatterning work of renewal? Well, again, it's it's being self-aware and saying no to the habits and practices in your life that work against renewal, and it's saying yes to those that bring it about. And what are those habits and practices that work toward renewal? Well again, I'll simply say this is what we are going after and pursuing at our Tuesday night group uh, called Discipleship Basics and there's still space, it's still open, there's still time to sign up, and I'm not pushing this group at the expense of the other groups. If you're already part of another group here at Arbor, I love you, I'm so grateful that you're there. They're amazing. But this Tuesday night group, we're, we're going after something a little different, and this Discipleship Basics group isn't for like new believers who are trying to figure out what does it mean to be a disciple, although if that's you, it would be good for you as well, but this is for individuals who are like, man, I'm a Christian, and I've been a Christian for a long time, I would call myself a Christian. But I don't really feel like I'm a follower of Jesus. I, I don't feel like that is like permeated by DNA inside and out. Every step, every, every place I live, every, everywhere I go, I don't feel like that's really been woven into who I am. And so that's what we're going after on these Tuesday nights. We want to begin to see the renewing power of God's Spirit move through our lives so that we would be able to become agents of renewal, We'd be able to see it in our families, in our communities, here in our church. And so how do you say yes to the repatterning work of renewal? For some of you, it's just gonna be simply saying yes to that group, signing up, going to arborchurch.com, signing up for that group, saying no to something else on Tuesday night, and saying yes to this group to initiate life-giving, renewing, Christ-focusing habits and practices in our lives so that we would be an integral part in bringing about the future God wishes to establish. Again, one last time, I'm gonna quote Mark Sayers here. He writes this, God-focused patterns lived today are seeds planted to be reaped in tomorrow's harvest of renewal. The work is slow. I was just having a conversation with someone in the lobby this morning about gardening. And we were talking about it, and I, maybe you're not a gardener. I'm sort of a gardener. My dad was a gardener. My grandma was like this big gardener, and so I try to like, you know, following their footsteps very, very poorly though. And I, I, we were talking and there's just something so spiritual about gardening. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, just the idea that it takes time, right? It takes time pruning a garden and, and planting seeds and waiting for them to grow. It takes time, it takes patience. And that's what this work takes. This is not an overnight success sort of thing. This takes work. This takes time. We need to cultivate the ground. We need to prune the hedges. We need to say no to certain things and yes to other things. And by the grace of God, we will find ourselves two, three, four, five years from now being like, that's when God started something in my life. That's when God began to move in our church in such a way where we were like saying yes to what God had for us and no to so many other distractions in our lives. Again, remember, you're never in neutral. You're always being shaped by something. The questions that we have to have at the forefront of our minds is what am I being shaped by and what am I being shaped into? By the grace of God, Nehemiah, he did not let the opposition or distractions deter him from renewal. He went after it. He had the support of his God. He had the support of his people. He said no to debilitating distractions. And he said yes. He said yes. Practice saying yes. Can we just say that? Just say it. Yes. Yes. He said yes to the repatterning work of renewal. Would you stand with me as I pray? Father in heaven, we want to be people that say yes. And so, God, I pray that you would strengthen us, that you would empower us to say yes to what you're calling us to. Whether that's praying on Wednesday mornings, whether that's being a part of a Tuesday night group, whether it's something else, Lord, I pray, God that we would have the boldness and the faith to make a change. But Lord, would you give us patience? Would your spirit give us strength and resolve? Because as we begin to pursue this, God, we know that we are going to for sure encounter opposition, and we are for sure going to encounter distraction. And so God, give us strength. God, would you give us encouragement? As sometimes it'll feel like we're taking two steps forward and one step back, maybe one step forward and two steps back, but God, we know that you're with us, and God, we lean into your promise that you are faithful, that you never change, and that you will finish what you started in our lives and in this church. God, we love you, and we are so grateful for you. So as we sing one last song, God, to you, God, I pray, or that your spirit would stir in our hearts and compel us, again, God, to say yes to what you would have for us, the patterning work of renewal, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.